The following is a special presentation of the Buccaneers Sports Network. This is the Jay and Keith Show. Two broadcasters. Oh, yeah. Two microphones. And one meticulously scripted podcast. You what? Just kidding. Get it, J.K.? You get it. That's what I thought was so funny. It's not funny. Alongside Keith Brake, here's the voice of the Bucks, Jay Sandoz. All right, it's another edition of the Jay and Keith Show. I'm Jay, he's Keith. We are Hi. talking. Are we talking? I think we're talking. Not sure if we're talking. I'm talking. Uh, men's basketball. Women's basketball. Yes. Is there another basketball? Uh there's all sorts of basketball, but men's and women's basketball are the two we play at East Tennessee State. So, all right, we'll we just go. talk those two then. Yeah. Well, uh, I'm going to start uh, with the women because we did a preview on Thursday of ETSU versus Vanderbilt, and we didn't talk Holy about cow. that. Uh, a phenomenal game. If you were at Brooks Gym or watching or listening or however you engulfed uh, live stats, whatever you did to witness ETSU beat Vanderbilt, which was an impressive display by Coach Mock and her team to pick up a 44-31 win, holding an SEC team to 31 points. Incredible effort and off to one of the most miraculous starts. And, of course, they won again on Sunday against a team that is uh, just taking money from people. I don't really know what to say about the University of Virginia Lynchburg. They have been throttled in every game by like a billion. Uh, couldn't even get their lineup in in time and had to start the game with a technical Yeah, foul. it was an administrative That's, technical, yeah. So, what is that, a Class B? I don't even know. That, that being said, mm. a lot going on, ETSU – Great start, greatest start now. Um, school history, doing some things that have never been seen. This before. is this uh, eight and two matches the best start of the NCAA tournament era at ETSU. So since the NCAA women's basketball tournament has existed uh, through ten games, the best record ETSU has ever had is eight and two. Keith, and that, Keith break so, starts. We go eight and two. You tell me what's the difference. Uh, I mean Gallagher was twenty eight and eighty three, and that's his stat. He gave me, so I'm not I'm not picking on him. He gave me that stat. Yeah, uh, I won't claim any credit for it because if I could, uh, North Dakota State would have won a lot more games when I was in Fargo in women's basketball. We are more uh, of a Southern uh, women's basketball type guy. Is that what you're saying? I don't think so. I think oh. it has absolutely nothing to do with me and everything to do with the fact that these players play their butts off for a coach that believes in them and um, who they are bought in for. Um, Coach Mock's done a great job already with this program in a very short amount of time. We've talked about it at length. The shots haven't fallen. They didn't fall against Vanderbilt either. And I said they needed shots to fall to win that game, but Harbison didn't play. That helped. Uh, I don't think that it altered the outcome of the game dramatically. Uh, it's, it's a tighter game than you know 13 points which is the second largest margin of victory over an SEC opponent for that program ever. Uh, the, they blew out Mississippi State about 15 years ago, and that was the, that was the high water mark. But they made Vanderbilt play their style of basketball, which was uh, it was kind of slower tempo. There was more half-court stuff. 
Uh, Vanderbilt didn't have an opportunity or a lot of opportunities to use their athletic, athletic advantage to get out and run. And then when the ball was coming off the rim, ETSU was there fighting for it. And Jayla Rufus-Milner led that charge. But how about Kendall Foley was phenomenal on the glass for the Bucks All game long, a career-high 12 boards. Didn't get a lot of shots to fall, but managed to find a way to impact the game anyway. Uh, they just they played an extremely hard game. And if you want to watch a team that just hustles and will outwork its opponent for 40 minutes, they play again on Sunday at Brooks against a very good Bowling Green team that's going to be a lot of fun to watch them match up. Uh, but yeah, this is history for Coach Mock and for ETSU. And there are a lot of games that are winnable on their remaining non-conference schedule at Charleston Southern, at UNC Asheville, Longwood here, Mount St. Mary's in Cherokee. Uh, they play Converse to wrap it up on New Year's Eve. Uh, and, and I would not put it past them to beat Bowling Green. Massey gave ETSU an 8% chance of winning that game on Thursday. And you know me, I love Massey. I think it's a great sit. I think it's a good system. I think it's an effective system. I think it gets the point across. Massey gave ETSU an eight percent chance of beating Vanderbilt, and they took it. That eight percent chance hit. I've played enough XCOM over the years to know that if you have a five percent chance of something happening, there's a that's it, it's really more like a 50-50 chance of something happening. The old 95% to hit and you miss twice in a row. That old old, old chestnut. Um, this is a team that I think believes it can do anything and is right to believe that it can do anything. It's the young players. It's the players off the bench. It's Neve Brown. Um, you know, it's Journey McDaniel making an impact in a variety of ways and just uh, incredible like, vertical athleticism from Journey. She's got the ability to get up after the ball and get offensive rebounds, second chance buckets. You know, her dad played wide receiver for the Buffalo Bills. Uh, that's a, you know, it's an athletic family and she fits right in. Um, and she fits right into this athletic family too. This has just been awesome to watch. Um, I never thought that I would sit here and say that a team that shoots like 32% from the floor for the season is a fun team to watch. But when they work as hard as this group does, it's a lot of fun. And that work pays off for them because they win games and they've won a lot of games and they're probably going to have the most non-conference wins in the modern history of ETSU women's basketball by the time it's all said and done. They only need three; they only need four more in their last six games of non-conference play, and I think they've got they got the opportunity to go out and get those. I want to say I think the addition, uh, and it was really not an addition; she was on the roster, but getting uh, acclimated, coming off injury, Neve Brown, and helping Giselle Thomas because early. What I like about this team, it was Giselle Thomas just kind of put everybody on their back, and, and then there was some role players, but then Thomas did sort of the yeoman's effort to mm -hmm. lead him to victory. Now all of a sudden you're starting to see others 
take shape. Rather, it was Courtney Moore's big second half, early fourth quarter in uh, one of the uh, Thanksgiving Day games. Yeah, it was Jacksonville State. She had a big fourth quarter as well. Yeah. And now you're looking at Neve Brown going double figures, hit some key shots in that game against Vanderbilt. You, you mentioned Kendall Foley. She's had a couple of games where not just rebounding, but she does other things that help the team win. It is a it is fun to watch. I am a – people that have listened to me for years, I love to watch rebounding. I love to watch people that go hunt rebounds. And this has been a spectacular year on both sides, men's and women's for me. And when you watch not just uh, Jayla Rufus-Milner, who's 5'10", playing against 6'3", 6'4", ladies down in the post getting boards, but a freshman like Journey McDaniel and how she's able to kind of go get boards. And then you have, you know, Ja'Kai Davis, who you expect because you've just watched ETSU basketball for three years, so you know what she can bring to the table. But the guards. I mean, you mentioned Foley with 12, but we've seen Giselle Thomas with seven or eight in a game. We've seen Courtney Moore with eight in a game. Yep. You know, last year we saw Sarah Thomas with nine in a game. So, to me, to out-rebound by almost double digits an SEC team where you are clearly the size disadvantage, and then the offensive rebound to get ten more offensive rebounds – to me, that's what now that you know, when you get 22 offensive rebounds, that means you're missing shots, and I get that. But the fact that they can get 22 extra opportunities to score, they're going to be successful this year at every facet if they can continue to control the glass. And this was an important one for Coach Mock on Thursday night. She told me about it in the pregame interview. She said, You can hold me to this. We want to be under 15 turnovers. And not only were they under that, they had 12. They were also positive on turnover margin for, I think, the the second time this year. This team has dealt with a lot of pressure, um, a lot of full-court press, man-to-man press. Vanderbilt tried a little bit of a zone press, but they didn't have the legs to continue to use it deeper into the game, and ETSU took advantage of that. They had the ability to be composed, bring it up the floor, work in the half court, and not have to worry as much about turning the ball over to pressure. Then there were a couple of times where it where it did it was effective, but you know they did not did not uh, have to face the kind of pressure that they're used to facing, and their confidence soared. Uh, against a team that couldn't press them man-to-man because you need nine or ten players to do that. And Vanderbilt only had, what, seven? Seven or eight? At eight. They had eight. And ETSU only played eight. So you beat them straight up. And you were better than they were straight up. And you were able to make them play your style of play. You didn't have a depth advantage. Uh, I just think it was really impressive the way that they handled the zone press and got Vanderbilt out of it because it wasn't getting the results that Shea Ralph wanted it to get. I want to go over uh, briefly the Virginia Lynchburg game, 95-26 ETSU, least amount of points given up in a contest, largest margin of victory um, for ETSU, 63 rebounds. Impressive number. First double-double for Journey McDaniel. 15 points in Ella Boyle in like seven seconds. How much did she play? She was 12, awesome 12 in the first half. Just was able to get out and run a little bit. That was the fun thing about her and Megan Downing as well is both of the bigs just got out ahead of the pack and took off and ran and showed some athleticism. And you can see 
why they're still a little bit raw, where they're still a little bit raw, why they're not necessarily going to get in the game all the time against they're probably not going to play very much at all on, on Sunday. Uh, but there are going to be spots during the year where they can they can get in and, and be part of the, the team on the floor and do some things. And the upside of both of them, especially Boyle, but Downing as well, the upside of both of them is absolutely enormous in this program. They are going to grow a lot over the course of the next 18 months, maybe a little less than as freshmen, um, you know, the next... Uh, really the next six months, and then by the time they're sophomores, they are going to be ready to be on the floor quite a bit for the Bucs. Uh, points off turnovers, ETSU had 41. Again, they just gave up 26 total. Second chance points, they scored 29. The other thing I was going to bring up, uh, besides the 63 rebounds, 38 is 78 from the floor, but from two, ETSU was 31 of 42, 74%. And... They needed a day where shots went in. And, yes, yeah. competition level was a way different scenario on Sunday than it was against Vanderbilt and will be way different on the next Sunday when they play a uh, 6-1 and one Bowling Green team, which we'll break down on Thursday and get you really set up for, uh, for that contest. But getting shots to go in, a double-double for Journey McDaniel, 7-9, Ella Boyle, 6-10, Megan Downing, 3-4. They were allowed to get some players in that don't normally get a play, get them some reps. Kurtner ended up playing 24 yeah. minutes, career high, right, 10 rebounds for Hurt. So it's one of those games where each issue should have won big. They did yeah. win big, but they were able to get some rest for some folks after getting some quality minutes and then letting them sit back and cheer for some of the freshman bench players that were able to get out there and get some action. Absolutely, and uh, I think that's really important is to be able to get your younger players some opportunities to get on the floor and they'll probably have some more opportunities to do it against Converse on New Year's Eve uh, but that is a, a, an important developmental moment is, is it does it necessarily tell you a whole lot about your team uh, not really but I think you learned enough on Thursday in the way that you were able to beat Vanderbilt and you're going to have another opportunity to learn about your team on Sunday this is um I, you know me, I don't love playing non-D1s. Coach Mock talked about it after the Vanderbilt game. Is like, you don't really have a choice because there are two schools in the conference that don't sponsor women's basketball. VMI and the Citadel are military academies. They don't sponsor women's hoops. Um, so they are, because they're disproportionately male. But um, I look at this schedule and say, this is a reasonably balanced schedule in terms of getting what you need to prepare you for conference play from all different angles. You play the high-end opponents. You play the opponents that give your young players chance to get live game reps. Um, and this is we, we saw both ends of that spectrum over the last four or five days with that group. And it's going to pay dividends for them down the road. Somewhere, some way, at some point, Ella Boyle is going to do something that influences the outcome of a game in a positive way for ETSU, and it's going to be because of the experience she was able to get against VUL on Sunday, and that that experience being a launch pad for her growth and development. At some point, it's going to happen, and you're going to be able to point to games like that where she was able to get on the floor as a freshman and very young in her career, very early in her career, get out there and do something. 
How about some men's hoops? What's uh, up, men's hoops? I, I feel like being upbeat today. Yeah. Want to dance a little bit, stretch it out. Got a big coaches show tonight, Monday. You can uh, listen to Coach Oliver. Coach Brandon Mike Brown all will be there. Coach, yes. Coach Brown will be paying up her bet. So that is, yes, uh, Co- Coach. Uh, that, she, that she made with herself, by the way. Like nobody. That is, was, uh, yeah, That that's one that. Um, you know, we, you say things out loud, and well, we, we were, do a lot. We were Keith. talking about this in the meeting this morning, um, that that was probably relatively tame compared to, say, Randy Sanders, uh, almost threatening rather than wagering, threatening to walk back from Knoxville naked if ETSU had beaten Tennessee. And um, the other replay machine that died, Keith, a lot of us died with it, yeah. and nobody knows what I'm talking about but me, you, and Gallagher. But <laughs> that being said, I could have easily played the clip on cue if it didn't die. All of our good sound clips died when the machine died, and I don't feel like going and finding that, which we do have that coach's show somewhere. But, yes, the I'm going to walk back uh, naked with the goalpost strapped to my back comment from Randy Sanders. And if you're going to make a bet, I would rather – It really feels more like a threat. Honestly. Yeah, I mean, and, and I mean, if he would have won the game – and did it. I'm sure I would have celebrated like any Buck fan. But uh, that being said, uh, I would much rather uh, a, a coach offer up a, a round of brews for uh, the Buck faithful than Randy Sanders naked. That's all I'm saying. And we love Randy, but not naked. Yes, but good for Coach Mock for for doing that. I mean, that was uh, I, I did, she she's done some great things. You know, listen, she's been dropped in a she's kind of been hot dropped into this situation uh, to use. I, I I believe that's a military term. It's like you're you're, you're the LZ is hot, something like that. Um, she's been dropped into a situation uh, very late in the process. She was hired, what, second week of August and took over a team that she didn't really know a whole lot about on the granular level like a coach would like to know about their team. Didn't have any time to learn it. Just had to hit the ground running and build those relationships on the fly. And I, I think she has done a lot, not just with the wins and losses, um, which predominantly are wins, eight of them. I think she's done a lot to... Build a good relationship with the people of this community and the people of the fan base um, and is off to a really promising start. So let's talk men's hoops now. Uh, Jacksonville State, ETSU, really fun game. Agree. If you were a neutral fan, if you didn't have any skin in the game and you just happened by this on ESPN Plus to hear Bruce and I talk about it, you say, man, that was a fun one. Well, I mean, what a back and forth game it was. Bench production was awesome. Justice Smith was really good. Roberts, the freshman for JSU, hitting some big shots early, kind of keeping the team in it. Uh, because without him in the first half, Gamecocks kind of fall away a little bit. So uh, that that gave Skylar Potter a chance to get going. And Damari King, who was second in the nation in three-point shooting percentage last year, barely had any impact. On the game, Bucks did a really good job of taking him away as a scoring option, but that's why JSU has gone out and recruited so many great shooters. They they got you know Roberts was on the perimeter hitting shots, Potter was on the perimeter hitting shots. Um, they didn't really have Peyton Daniels available the way they wanted to. He only played seven minutes coming back off the flu, uh, but they got um, Ingamezi back. 
from injury. He didn't play in New Mexico, and he has 11 points and five rebounds in 21 minutes and does a lot of things that help that team succeed, and they stick around in it against an ETSU team that hit some tough shots. They did some of the things they wanted to do. They won the turnover battle. Um, you know, ju- Like I said, Justice Smith was just awesome to watch. Uh, Taylor was good. Uh, Haynes, that I thought JSU did a good job of taking him away, but he still found a way to get his points. It just came down to the final possession, literally down to the final seconds. And the Bucks got a clean look with Jaden Seymour, and he couldn't knock it down. And Jacksonville State wins a really tight basketball game. I'm going to backtrack just a tad. 31 seconds to go. Bucks get it. Well, before that, Justice Smith, who was incredible, 7 of 9 from the floor, He's... 2 of 2 from 3. You're starting to see that glimpse, right? Yeah, and then there was that one moment at the end where he steps on the sideline. That was his only turnover of the game. Really the only mistake he made the whole game, but it came in a critical spot. Second game in a row, he's got four steals. So two games in a row, four steals. So defensively, he can guard the one through four. Yes. You're starting to see things of what he can be as the game is starting to slow down for him, I guess, lack of a better term. As you hear that all the time, the speed of the game, the adjustments to that and other, he's starting to get there. Now, we've not seen this on the road. He only has two points on the road, but at home, where he seems much more comfortable, you can see certain things from him. I hope it translates. Three-point shooting when no D'Anthony Tipler is still a bit of a struggle. Now, ATSU wasn't horrific, 31%, 8 of 26, but King was just 2 of 11. If you get a couple of threes a game from Josh Taylor, I think that is great. You get a couple of threes from Justice Smith, that's great. Yep. And Alan Struthers, when he finally, as he works on it every single day, is just a redshirt freshman. If that outside shot starts to fall, what a dangerous all-around player. Three and, rebounds, four assists again, and plays excellent defense. And two of five from three is enough that teams have to respect it. Like you, if you're shooting forty percent from three, you're shooting two of five. You're, you know, maybe a couple games you're two of four. You're one of three. That you're all, you're in that range. That's enough that teams have to respect you on the perimeter. They can't just pack the paint and have an extra man that fronts Jalen Haynes and prevents the catch on the interior where he can put your five in a blender. Uh, you have to come out and guard him. You have to come out and guard Struthers, or he can spot up and shoot it over you. If he's doing that consistently, it's going to help this team a lot, and it's going to take pressure off Jordan King, who did not have a good afternoon uh, shooting the basketball. Two of 11 from three is is one that he's going to want back, and I know it's been a rough start for him, but um, I... I have to believe that at some point, somewhere, he's good for it down the road when it's going to matter. I will say this. He did not let his offense affect his defense as he was one of the two primary people that was guarding his other namesake, Damari King. Him and Struthers did an outstanding job on King the whole night. One for four for a guy that was averaging 15 a game. And again, Potter came out of nowhere with a career-high 27. And Roberts off the bench, I think that was the difference in the game. He had 27? No, 23. He had 23 points the whole year coming into the game. He had 15. He had 11 in the first half. Managed to get 15, uh, four more in the second half. But uh, he was six for his first six and then missed his last four, did Roberts. And I think that was the biggest deal – 
uh, for Jacksonville State because Roberts kept them in the game in the first half within striking distance, and then Potter just kind of took over. And he was incredible, 5 of 9 from 3, 8 of 9 from line. His only miss gave ETSU that last opportunity to go down the court and, and have an opportunity to either tie or win the contest. But if Roberts doesn't play that big first half, and uh, um, uh, Mari and, and, and uh, Gumaze, when he – Ingemezi, uh, yeah. Ingemezi, when he finally got going in the second half and hit three consecutive threes, that, it was, Jacksonville State did just enough and play just enough of a team game to get things going. I thought Jalen Haynes showed some frustration but continued to battle. He picked up, and a, a lot of people were confused on the uh, technical foul. Uh, what he did was when he dunked it, he slapped the backboard. So he had a two-hand slam, and he slapped the backboard while hanging on the rim. Now, he didn't hang on the rim a lot, but when you slap the backboard, that's an automatic technical. Now, yep. for fans that are upset about that, that is called a, that is a Class B technical. It is not a personal. It is not a team foul. So it really didn't do anything other than it gave Jacksonville, uh, Jacksonville State one free throw, right. and they got one point, and you lose by two. I get that. But – that was all that it was, so it's not as upsetting of a call and things I think some of the fans um, had at the moment, have had after the moment, and the it happened away from the TV camera, so on the replay you may not even be able to see unless you zoom in, him slap the backboard, but that was a as much as officials sometimes miss certain things that make fans crazy, that one they got right. That's been in the rules for quite some time now. You can't do that. But it was just a Class B, no personal, no technical, just sort of an administrative technical, if you will, but just one free throw. So that wasn't uh, that bad. And, again, Haynes plays with a lot of emotion. And sometimes it's good energy. Sometimes I think it takes away from his game, and I think that's uh, something he's working through. But he battled five of seven, continued to do things. Jaden Seymour was great on the glass, struggled to shoot the basketball. But I think all in all – when this team and I, you know, I've said it to a few fans. Have asked. I really feel like when the top seven players, with Jansen and Templer out again, if top seven players are playing, and you can get this Justice Smith as an eighth guy, they're going to win a lot of games, mm-hmm. and things are going to change. They have not played a full game since Louisiana, and anybody that watched that Louisiana game, that was the most positive I've seen. Buck Nation. Twitter Mafia be about a loss in a long, long, long time in hoops. And everyone saw what that team could be. So before everyone jumps off the ship, per se, and kind of lose their minds, I feel like you get Jancic back, maybe Moorhead State. Mm -hmm. Tipler's not going to be out long. He should be back, Moorhead State. He tried to give it a go in warm-ups. He had an ankle injury the day before. Tried to go. Wasn't going to be 100% and – then you could have the argument, well, is an 75 80% Tipler worth it? You know, my argument would be it was Jacksonville State in a non-conference game. I would rather have him for league games. Yeah, if it's Chattanooga, he probably gives it a go. I mean, if he doesn't give it a go Chattanooga, you know, me and Tipler may have uh, fisticuffs over it. Now, I'm not going to win, but I'm just saying, I mean, like, you, you could say anybody but Chattanooga. Come on, Keith, you know I'm going to fight somebody if I don't play against Chattanooga. I mean, if you would have – Furman, all right, let's see. Maybe he'll goes, maybe he doesn't, but come on got to play against chat if it's a if it's a socon game um that 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 might be a situation where you maybe think about playing consider it's like okay team needs this one 
going to play through it. Um, but yeah, there's no point in taking the chance with a game that, yes, it could potentially impact a seed if you were to win the Southern Conference Tournament and go to the NCAA Tournament. But in the grand scheme of things, it's not going to determine the outcome of your season to win or lose that game. Um, and there's no point in risking potentially a serious, a more serious injury to a key rotation player in that spot. And again, the team competed hard with two of their top seven guys out, and yep. and we're I'm close to giving justice to top eight. He's clearly going to be the next guy off the bench from Jancic, unless foul trouble happens. It'll probably be Jancic off the bench first, then Tipler, then probably Justice Smith. So he's in that top eight rotation, but he's got to do a little bit more on the road for me to give him the top eight. I know he is the sure. eighth guy. I don't. I think it's clear he's the eighth guy off the bench, and he was the sixth guy off the bench, sixth man, if you will, this last contest. But he got to do just a tad bit more, but he's getting there, and I think he's starting to show things that makes him very dangerous because he is so smooth and skilled getting to the rim. He's obviously a skilled scorer. I'm shocked his free throw percentage continues to plummet as he struggles from the free throw line, but that'll come around. He hit like 25 free throws in a game last year. So he obviously knows how to hit free throws. It's going to happen for him. I'm not ready. I just think that once all those guys are healthy, this is going to be a solid basketball team. I think they've also lost a few games where Coach said it postgame, the young excuse is starting to wear thin. The young team needs to learn how to win. Agreed. And 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 that's it. Once they, and again, do you want to win some early and lose them all late, or do you want to try to figure out how to win now and get in the conference games, and then you start rattling off those wins? And that's how I prefer, uh, and I think most coaches prefer to win because it's all about seeding. It's all about Asheville. It's all about trying to win those three games in a row um, to get to the NCAA tournament. And I said it before when I, I said it for weeks. I pounded the table for two months a lot of times in college basketball seasons is don't look at the record in November. Don't look at the record in December. What do they do in March? What do they do in February? That's what matters. And this game, as much as it stings to lose it, as much as it feels like a game that ETSU could have won and maybe should have won at home. In the grand scheme of things, you didn't lose to VMI. You didn't lose to a team that you absolutely had to beat. It, it, this was not a game that you was just going to be a walkover. you know, Or a game that you look at and go, oh, that's a hideous loss. It wasn't that kind of game. Jacksonville State's a solid team. Jacksonville State's going to be competitive in the A-Sun. They're going to be relevant in the A-Sun this year. Uh, I don't look at that as a game that makes or breaks ETSU's season. Uh-oh.
I want to touch on FCS playoffs, but before I do that, a couple of men's basketball results of uh, just kind of score comparison. I don't always work that way, but Furman did go to App State last week, pick up a win, 65-61. Chattanooga went to Tennessee Tech, although they trailed by double digits at half. They picked up a seven-point win. 81 uh, to 74. Sanford, we made fun of them because, uh, and we should have because they lost to a. No, they a, deserved it. They 100% deserved it, but they've had two tough bounce back sort of overtime losses, if you can have that. Went to DePaul, lost 103 98, and then uh, a couple days ago lost in overtime at Central Florida 80 to 77. Okay, that's a decent Quez Glover did come back. Yes, please hammer DePaul and Ken Brown whenever possible. Uh, Quiz Glover has been back on the floor for him. UNCG does win at Elon. Wofford uh, loses by three for the second time against an SEC school. Lost by three to LSU. Lost by three to Vanderbilt now. And then uh, one of the shockers, our good buddy Ed DeCellis at Navy's had a solid season, but he got beat at VMI 80 uh. to 72. And that one kind of makes me scratch my head a little bit to uh. see maybe, maybe, maybe VMI isn't as easy as an out as some people have thought. So let's uh, look at some uh, men's scores uh, of note. Now, FCS playoffs, I had both games on, both uh, during the ETSU basketball pregame show uh, and most of the actual game uh, itself. People kept coming by and seeing the purple and was thinking it was Kansas State TCU, TCU which it was not. It was obviously Incarnate Word. The Lindsey Scott touchdown pass was ridiculous where he was slipping and falling and chunking it, you know, sideways or whatever it was that scored. And so I think that is certainly a play that you go back and you lose by four that hurts because they should have obviously not scored on that play. And then for Furman, who played an outstanding game, uh, Callie Chizik interception return on the like third play. Then he has another interception, gets him down to like the five-yard line. Um he was incredible. They forced turnovers. Third and ten, incarnate word at the 50-yard line, and I don't know how you let a guy 15 yards past you to end mm-hmm. the game, but basically that's what happened, and a tough loss for Furman. And here's the difference between Furman and Sanford. The difference between Furman and Sanford on Saturday is that Sanford's defense came up with a big play when they needed it with the game on the line. The punch out to force the fumble that becomes a touchback in overtime that gets the offense the ball where literally any points win you the game and they won the game. The defense didn't get off the field when it needed to on third and 10. They didn't come up with the big play and Furman lost as a result. That was the difference in the game. And... That was the difference between the two SOCON teams. And so, it gets a little chalky, right? All the top eight seeds advanced. William and Mary had their cakewalk against Gardner-Webb, which I thought Eastern Kentucky was going to have last week, uh, but they did not. Delaware, their game got called uh, with like a minute and a half left because they ran out of quarterbacks due to injuries. Uh, they had a guy that had to be had to be uh, carted off the field and taken to the hospital. Um and that's that's decidedly so. I mean, at that point, it was 19 degrees. I think it was probably like spitting snow. It was not a pleasant experience uh, for them. But uh, then Sac State had it down to the wire a little bit with the Richmond. Holy Cross blew away New Hampshire in the second half. Not shocked by that. Uh, really, just 
that that Crusaders team's really good. Bob Chesney and company, fantastic result for them over the weekend uh, and school record 12 wins as well. North Dakota State manhandled Montana in the second half. Expected that. Um, I don't even know what the other game was. There was another game, wasn't there? There was, and I'm trying to make my brain. <laughs> was it? You said Sex State. Uh, Montana said, State, Weber State. Oh, that the was, rematch. Yeah, the yeah, rematch. That was, yeah. Just a, that was just a good old-fashioned barn burner. That game probably should have happened around later, but oh well. It happened when it happened. It was not unavoidable. Uh, yeah, but Samford getting it done without hires. Quincy Crittenden, the man of the hour. Second walk-off. He had the walk-off in double overtime against Mercer. He oh, had, yeah. He had the walk-off uh, in overtime against Sella. So the 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 walk on uh, has uh, got him a couple of wins. I know Michael Harris tried to go. I think he was in their first series two or three. Um, really couldn't couldn't go. It was a non throwing uh, shoulder arm whatever elbow thingy. But um, I'm sorry, it was his throwing arm. Um, mm. That being said, he tried to give it a go. He couldn't do it. And Crittenden has been unbelievable. He's got him. An overtime win against Mercer. He got him an overtime win in the playoffs, and now he'll draw North Dakota State, and we'll break that down more on Wednesday. We're going to talk a lot of football. We're going to do say what? Hey, long-term bowl prediction before Keith was here, so he didn't have any as far as ETSU football. Uh, yeah, no, you you had all of those. And, and uh, uh, ETSU back-to-back outright champions. That did not go well. Nope. Uh, 1,000-yard receiver did, did nope. not go well. But I did get one right, baby. Chandler Martin leads the team in tackles. I said it before the year started. He led by quite a bit. So uh, Over 30 tackles, yeah. We will do portal watch. We're bringing it back, football relevant, style. Relevant segue there. Coaching changes. Coaching changes. We'll talk about that. Not just Southern Conference because there's three head coaches. Two have been filled. They'll need another one uh, to be filled unless something else crazy happens in the next few days. And we'll take a look around the rest of FCS. But we'll talk a lot of football, say what, all that more coming up on our Wednesday show on Jane Keith. Buccaneers Bar Network, study for your exams. Oh, you gotta be kidding me!